Welcome back to another episode of Marvel News Desk, your best place to keep up with all the latest news, reviews, and speculation concerning Marvel films and TV shows. We've got our usual panel today. We've got Adam and Rhiannon and me. I'm Caleb. And thanks for listening to the show. Welcome. Have you guys been reading these Powers of X and House of X Hickman comics? No, see, everyone says they're really good, but I, I haven't even, I haven't started. Admittedly, I haven't started because every time I read a single Hickman comic, I need to sleep it off for about a week. It's just so dense. The one thing I do like, I mean, Hickman always does, uh, he makes it bigger than a comic, right? He makes it uh, almost, uh, not really prose, but he has uh, the charts and the pictures, right? I like the graphs. It's all about the graphs and the maps. That's that's what I like about Hickman, other than his incredibly dense reads. Yeah, I um, I've been <clears throat> I don't usually read comics as they come out, but I've decided to jump on this and do it like when it's happened, and I'm so happy that I have because. House of X number two is the best comic I've read in a very, very, very long time. Like it just, it totally, it drops the floor out from what you thought you knew about the X-Men in a way that feels organic and doesn't feel like they're just like retconning everything. Um, and it's, it's brilliant. I loved it. So they've actually made, the X-Men relevant in uh, comics since one Grant Morrison. It's amazing too. Cause I'm, I'm doing the, you know, I have Marvel unlimited. So I read a few X books like six months delayed mm. and I tried to pick up some of the age of X-Men stuff after reading this. And I was like, Oh, this uh-huh. is unbearable. This is such garbage. Right. I can't, I can't do it. I don't know. Are they setting themselves up to fail though? I mean, Hickman's uh, on the main X-Men title, right? Which is, have you seen that? The Summers and Wolverine? That's like the main X-Men team going on now. Um, yeah, so Hickman's going to be on that. But, I mean, I it's good rebooting it and all, but I don't know. It, if Hickman decides to to leave ever again, you know, where's, we're right back at square one, right? With with some very, very... So, X-Men Red was pretty good um, as of late, but everything else, man, it's... Uh, I don't know, but that does come, that does bring the whole thing back that Hickman said or, or someone said Hickman was a multi-platform thing, and I'm totally on board for a Hickman TV show. Well, it's interesting because I haven't totally thought it through, but I think some of the things he's doing could be an interesting way to like pilot the X Men into the MCU, like. The whole question of why haven't we noticed them until now? Like, I feel like there's some interesting stuff they could do now. So, all right, let's jump into our news. First bit of news is great news for your wallet. Disney announced on their shareholder call that you can get ESPN Plus, Hulu, the most basic version, and Disney Plus for a grand total of $12.99. Um,. I mean, Netflix has got to be terrified. That is a huge package of content for only 13 bucks. Uh, I assume you, were you guys rejoicing over this news that this is going to be this cheap to do? Absolutely. I, I pay for all three of them. Anyways, um, I don't even know why I don't watch 
sports. My time in arena football kind of burned me out on sports. Um, but I mean, it has like the entire 30 for 30 library, right? That's where I watched the, uh, Joey Chestnut one. Um, and that's, that alone is worth at least the next couple of months. So yeah, it's, I mean, it's a hell of a deal. I think Netflix right now, I pay sixteen ninety nine or 17 something, I think. With like, well, but that's because you have HD, right? Right. So is that going to be 1080 HD and everything, did they say, at that price? Or is that just like the starter price? I do not know about HD versus not HD. I know ESPN Plus has crazy good quality, but I don't actually know the the text, uh, the specs on it. So, I mean, because obviously if they're starting at that price, there's going to be add-ons. And then one of the first questions I saw was upgrading your Hulu to no commercials. You know, I mean, like Netflix, there is a cheap Netflix that start, you know, the cheaper, uh, but it's in like SD or something. Yeah, I just wonder, there's got to be a catch, you know? Are they going to do this just long enough for Netflix to crash and then buy it and then jack the price up? Like, what is the catch? I wonder. So I wonder if I don't think is ESPN Plus doing super well for them because it's essentially ad supported Hulu plus Disney and they're just giving you free ESPN Plus. Um, I don't know. I. Before long, I really do think we're going to get a super, super cheap ad-supported version of Netflix. Maybe they take away, you know, the ultra-high-def 4K quality and just do, you know, 1080 and below plus ad-supported for Netflix and do something stupid cheap like three ninety nine or four ninety nine. Um I don't know, man. They're looking to... That's the other thing. I mean, how long is... Disney Plus going to be six ninety nine a month. See, I'm just ecstatic because, as you said, we have Hulu and we have ESPN Plus. This basically made Disney Plus cost us like two or three dollars a month. As someone who's already subscribed to the other two, this package will make Disney Plus almost free. Like it is ridiculous how how little extra money it's going to be for us to add this on. Because, you know, Hulu was already five ninety nine, and it was already four ninety nine or five ninety nine for ESPN Plus. And so, like, the whole thing for 13 bucks is unbelievable. Um, so it's, I'm just, I'm just ecstatic. It's just going to make this so cheap to have, you know. They, they flashed that price up and my interest to both NBC Universals and Warner Media stuff kind of almost goes out the window, right? The one thing NBC has is The Office, right? Um, but it's just like, man, how if I could get Hulu and Disney Plus, you know, coupled with Netflix, that's a lot more than I would need with Warner Brothers stuff and HBO, right? I mean, now that Game of Thrones is over, what? I mean, I haven't got into Barry yet, you know, but unless something else happens, uh, I'm not sure I need HBO, you know? Yeah, I I figure out a new email address to try for HBO for a free month trial every time a season of Westworld comes out. That's about it. You don't have to give them a credit card. They don't recognize that like the same credit card is attached to it every time. Uh, I don't think so. No, I think it's just email address. But also, I mean, we have two or three credit cards, so we can we can rotate those around if we need. And that's what I do. A lot of those, like the premiums, like. 
I pick up HBO if there's something I want to see, but for like a month. I pick up Stars during Outlander season. I pick up, you know, like, I even did like Hulu Plus for a month just to like see what's going on in the rest of cable TV. But at that price, it's not something you're going to want to like add for a month and then drop. Like, it's going to be so cheap. People are just going to keep it. Yeah, it's definitely, and it's it's aggressive. Like, there is no question that Disney is taking an approach that they're willing to take some losses on this stuff up front for the sake of, you know, getting the broadest subscriber base possible. And so I kind of worry that this is going to, for a long time, just be this, where, like, everyone's going to come in cheap early to get interest and then raise prices, kind of like Netflix has historically. And so... People are just going to keep jumping to whatever the youngest, cheapest service is for a while, you know? But Netflix, I mean, but Disney knows how to create a product that lasts a long time. So, even if they raise the prices, I'm convinced that they'll provide a service. You know, it'll feel worthwhile. It won't be like Netflix that's canceling all of their shows after two seasons as they raise prices. I also think they're really smart to give annual subscriber uh, subscriptions. Cause I think Netflix is only month to month, right? Yeah. Well, with the annual, when it renews a year from now on auto renew, you'll go, Oh, I forgot it. Oh, well. like a lot of people do this with their prime or like their gym membership. They're like, Oh, I meant to cancel it, but it's already through. I don't want to mess with it. I guess I'll just keep it for another year. Like, I feel like you can keep, non-interested customers on annual subscriptions easier than monthly ones, you know? Well, I mean, I'm lazy enough just to keep monthlies, right? I think I caught on today. um, I I was double paying HBO because I had it through Prime and then like HBO Go or whatever. (laughs) And uh, like, I'm like, all right, this is stupid. I've done this for about six months whenever, whenever Game of Thrones started. It's so asinine, right? It's a one-click sign-up. And then I, I I had five or six clicks to cancel, and it pissed me off because you couldn't cancel it on your phone. You had to use a web browser. And I'm like, man, this is ridiculous. All right, awesome. Let's move on to the next bit of news. We have some more Eternals casting. Just when we thought there was no way they could add more people to this movie, uh, the talk is that uh, Barry Keegan will be added to the cast, and that possibly uh, Gemma Chan will be added as well, uh, causing kind of the first double casting in the history of the MCU movies. Uh, Do you guys have thoughts about either of these, or if this is a good idea to have Chan back this quick after her appearance in Captain Marvel? I mean, I immediately saw it and thought, okay, we're getting Captain Marvel tie-ins in this. Is she... A different character? Oh, yeah. My understanding was she's not going to be Minerva in this. Oh. Weird. Okay. Are there not that... Okay. Right. What? Right. Right. See, I don't think I care because she... You know, she's got all that blue makeup and stuff on. Like, I was trying to think of it this way. If Andy Rooker... Or uh, Zoe Saldana got on another Marvel movie where they didn't have the Guardian's face paint on. I don't think it would feel like the same person. 
Like, they're so different behind all that makeup. But, I mean, there are plenty of really good actresses out there of every ethnicity. Why? I mean, if there weren't six billion people in the world, I'd understand recycling actresses this quickly. No. Like, it makes no sense to me. I mean, it's it, not that I'll confuse her for who she was. I'm just like, why on earth do we need to be recycling actresses? It bothers me more. I mean, the taking a Netflix person and putting them in a movie, that doesn't bother me because they're different enough. You know, we all know Feige never watched the Netflix series. But in his own movies, like a couple years apart, that seems... Nah. It uh, it does demonstrate just how um, uh, uh, it's not all connected, right? It's not the TV shows probably are decanonized by this point. It's it's the same thing where they're going through. Oh, it's the first Asian superhero or, or what have you, right? Because because we've seen it before. I mean, we just saw it uh, what two weeks ago, three weeks ago, um, with Blade. But I, I think it, when was uh, she was cast in Captain Marvel before she kind of made it big, big, right? With Crazy Rich Asians and stuff. Yeah, I think so. And it does seem that that's a one-off role based on her fiery explosion at you know, Captain Marvel. Right. I mean, how many lines did she have in Captain Marvel? Less than a dozen, right? I think. But still... So that's interesting, Rian. I didn't think about it from like the give somebody else an opportunity perspective. That makes some sense to me. Yeah. I mean, I, I, that's just... I mean, I, I, I totally realize I'm the same person that's been saying that uh, Bradley Cooper being the voice of Rocket is a waste of an actor I'd like to see on screen. But... I mean, we've seen her. Yes, she was blue, but that. Why do we need to recycle the same actors already? Right, because if the argument is just, oh, she's so good. Well, all right, yeah, a lot of us think that Brie Larson's really good too. Does that mean we're gonna like cast her in the next Guardians movie and just spray paint her yellow, and then she can be one of the Sovereign or? Let's bring Robert Downey Jr. back and put him inside a toaster and let him be a robot. You know, like, let him be Herbie in the Fantastic Four movie. It's just like, when does it stop with, like, reusing and recycling actors, just throwing them in different costumes? It feels like it would be a little silly. Exactly. And if she had been somebody in, like, Iron Man 2? And then progressed in her career, but for it to be so soon afterwards, I just don't get it. Also, it's kind of weird because Keanu Reeves, we keep hearing, they're like, oh, we, we keep trying to get close, but we want to find the perfect spot for him. Oh, who cares if you find the perfect spot for him? Make him Cosmo the Space Dog, and then bring him back for something else. I mean, bring him through three or four times, you know, just get a different color of paint for him. So Make Keanu the new Stan Lee. I mean, let's do it. Have yeah. him and everything. I also know no, nothing much about Barry, but uh, I do believe he's supposed to be uh, Yorick in the Why the Last Man. 
show that they're maybe making on FX. They've been kind of making for like a year and a half now. So uh, that could be a very big year or two for him if both of those things take off. So. Venom 2, I will let you two people who actually like Venom talk about this. Andy Serkis is officially the director of Venom 2. Does this make you more excited than your already over-bubbling sense of excitement, Adam? <laughs> Hell yeah, man. He's the, uh, what, he's w- w- a visionary when it comes to visual effects, right? He's like the go-to VFX guy. Um, I'm hyped. I mean, I, who who else was uh, considered? It was him and um, Rupert Wyatt, right? And then a third one. Who else was it? I can't remember. Um, but I was fine with any of them. VFX speaking, because uh, Mowgli, I wasn't a huge fan of, right? So the other thing is, that's kind of pulled out my heartstrings a little bit. I mean, is is Woody Harrelson going to phone his in his performance? Because I did not know he was a really close friend of Reuben Flesher's. Um, I was just reading a story again, and Reuben's like, oh yeah, he's like my best friend. Um, so that is a little bit worrisome that they're officially moving on with a new director. Um, also some worrisome is apparently Tom Hardy helped write the script, which hopefully it's better than the accent. Um, but yeah, Andy Serkis, I'm all, I'm on board. I'm hyped. Andy Serkis and Woody Harrelson. And that's about it. Oh, Michelle Williams is coming back too. Oh, gee. Yay. She added so much to the last film. How are they going to top the lobster tank? Are they going to have like Cletus go out to a farm and take a chunk out of a live cow? Maybe 30 to 50 uh, feral hogs. Maybe that's what they'll do. Yes! Nice. Props nice. working that in. Very nice. I'm excited in as much as I hated what Ruben Fleischer did. So, I mean, it can't get worse. I'm not sure I believe in Circus as a director yet. Uh, I've not seen Mowgli, to be fair, because it looked really lame. So, um, I don't know. It's going to take a lot for me to get excited about Venom 2. Bringing back Michelle Williams, who seemed to kind of phone it in last time, is not a great sign to me. Also, all the people said, oh, Tom Hardy, he doesn't make anything bad. Well, he has now. (laughs) Like, it just, (laughs) I don't know. Michelle's capable of acting, too. Like, Michelle can put in a performance if you give her material and, you know, motivation. I'll put it this way. If the cast has half the energy that Circus had on Black Panther as an actor, then it's going to be a lot better than Venom 1. You know, like, if he can just bring some of that, like, enthusiasm that he brought to Claw and, like, share that with the cast... So it seems like they actually enjoy this movie they're making and in not like a frantic eating lobsters way, then I'm excited. I hope he gives Eddie Brock like a SoundCloud or something. How amazing would that be? Nice little Easter egg. Uh, Along these same lines, apparently Sony is working on live action TV shows. Did you see this? Like Lord and Miller just signed a big contract uh, with Sony to develop stuff, and a lot of it is so they can keep on doing Spidey stuff. We knew that they were spinning off Spider-Verse things, but it seems like they're talking about live-action Spidey television shows. I I felt like this was kind of out of nowhere and took me off guard. What what do you guys think is going on here? 
when was this? Uh, let me look up the article. I'll get the exact text. Because I thought they they did mention it wasn't um, Lord and Miller attached at the time, but someone. I, I don't think it was Amy. I don't remember who it was, but they did heavily tease that their Sony universe of Marvel characters was going to include TV shows. That was a couple months ago, I think. All right, so this is from Deadline. I'm getting on comingsoon.net, but I think they've transcribed well. Miller, upon making this deal with Sony, said, We're developing a handful of live-action shows using Sony's Marvel characters, of which there's like 900 characters. We're figuring out a way to develop the show so that each of their own unique experience, but are also related. He added, we've been talking to a lot of potential teammates for trying to do something not like anything that's been done on television. It'll be a little while before it all comes together and is on the air, but I think it's going to be something really special. Hopefully we'll know in the next few months where it'll be and what the schedule will be. So Lord and Miller are producing live action shows based on one of the, some of the 900 characters that Sony has from Marvel. This seems really huge and ambitious and... I feel like like nobody's talking about it that much. Yeah. First of all, 900 characters. What are we talking about? Like Rocket Racer and maybe Black Cat and Silver Sable? Is that maybe pulling that stuff back out? Or the Prowler TV show? Like, And is this going to be like Venom where like it doesn't really count in the MCU? I just, I don't know. 30 to 50 feral Spidey pigs? There is Sp- yeah, Spider-Ham. All right, Rhiannon said she's going to drop off uh, for a minute. So let's start S.H.I.E.L.D. talk. Maybe we'll get it done while she's gone. Yeah. All right, so did you like this finale? It was entirely, completely bonkers and unnecessary, and I really didn't like it until about the last 30 seconds. To me, it felt like, I mean, they, they wrote themselves into a corner, right? And this is the one thing um, that they could come up with, I guess. I don't, I guess I don't know, um, really what to, you know, how to feel about it. It was, yeah, it was just like, man, I thought the season was done six episodes ago and now they're, they're, what? I don't know. You know, it was just a lot of head scratching, um, and question and question and question. Uh, and then they wrapped it up in the most bonkers way possible. The thing about this right now is that like, there's never any stakes on S.H.I.E.L.D. anymore. Like, every time they start to kill somebody, then they just make up for it. Like, oh, we killed Coulson. Oh, but he's back as Sarge. Oh, we killed Sarge. Oh, but he's back as an LMD. Oh, we killed May. Nope, we have a super secret serum for her. Oh, hey, we killed so-and-so. Nope, that's all right. You know, like, it just, I don't know. So, I mean, that's the thing about the show to me is just that it never, it never feels like it'll go anywhere because like with Sarge's death, we said goodbye to Clark Gregg for like a whole, what, four minutes before we had another Coulson back. It's the same thing they did with, you know, Ward back in the day. It's just over and over and over again. We see these characters they die, we feel emotional. They did the same thing with Fitz last year. Like, the list of characters now who have died on this show and then come back, 
and there was no consequence to it is just unbelievable. Oh, absolutely. Wholeheartedly agree. Are you excited about them going back in time to the 30s, I guess? Sure. Um, there, There's a lot of leeway in the storytelling. You know, there's a lot of people speculating. Or if you pay attention to a certain scoop website that it's confirmed, Agent Carter's going to show up. Um, I would take that time travel back to the future type stuff over another season six. Yeah, help me. Though. I don't think the timing's right. Isn't the Empire State? Because I, I looked this up. Empire State Building was built in like thirty-one. So Peggy Carter would be what ten years old? Man, I have no idea. You think they actually cared about that? <laughs> it's not like they care. It's not like they're doing timeline talk or something. All right, we got Rhiannon back, so that can serve as our brief Agents of Shield talk. But yeah, I'll be interested to see if you like it, Rhiannon, because. It's all right. We did not enjoy it, so. (laughs) Uh, It was all right. I mean, it gets a lot worse when Brad Dalton shows up, but. But what I really, I I could, like, I enjoyed the first hour. I enjoyed Deke having his emotional breakdown and making Fitz feel like Or, I mean, uh. (sighs) Dang it, Adam. Yes, that was probably the best part of the episode. No, I just said I liked it. I mean, if you liked, uh, I personally I liked the second half better. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. No. So yeah. I mean, if you like the first half, you probably. And like where the I half. am right now, May just got killed and thrown in a portal too. So that's exciting. I mean, not that I want May to die. I just that was like I didn't see that coming, and I liked the surprise, and I'm interested to see where it goes. So by next week, I'll have watched it. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely. I think it's where they took it. They did the thing again. This is, this is not spoiling. They do the thing again where they set up the next season and like the last two minutes of this season. Uh, kind of like they did with that diner scene a couple years ago. Yeah. And I I think that's what I hate. I don't know. I think that's what you liked, Adam. But that's kind of what I hated as well. But like what? Yeah, I like the ending. The the very very ending is probably my favorite. Um, what you don't like. Um, yeah, I don't know. I did not, as a whole, I did not care for the season. It's probably one of my least favorite, to be honest. Yeah, my theory on the show has been that it's like a, it's a triangle. Like, it got better and better and better and better until, like, the Ghost Rider stuff. And then it has been slowly getting worse and worse and worse and worse since then, so. Right. Like, if, um, that's going to be what's, imagine if season seven's going to be as equal Right, we're like, damn! I wish they would have stopped at that season five finale. Right, <laughs> it was perfect. And Ellie came back. You could tell. I mean, they're like, oh crap! They actually gave us another season. Now we got to do something with it. They were real. Exp- I saw an interview with them with Kevin Smith for IMDb at Comic Con, and Loeb is really like just straight out says, "Yes, we wrote season five's finale, not thinking we'd ever get any more, and it caused us trouble." And he claims the reason that they asked for it to end at seven is so that there wasn't a chance that they'd have to ever write a season eight and undo all the crap they did at the end of seven the way they did with five and six. Huh. Hey, look at that. So it might be able to iron out the kinks. I'm not holding my breath. We'll jump back into the news now that we have all our tech and everything figured out. Uh, big rumors this week that Giancarlo Esposito is finally joining the MCU. There's talk about Norman Osborn as maybe the possibility. 
Are you guys ready to see him in the MCU, and where do you think they should fit him? I I just got done trashing that website. <laughs> and we're, Is this we're, one of theirs, We're talking too? about it. Oh, yeah, it's one of theirs. Oh, jeez, never but mind. Everything else, like Moon Knight and Giancarlo and everything else, man. It's it's all sorts of stuff. So that's that's where that originated. I know uh, Michael T. Ford loves the idea. He's been pressing it for for ages. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe they saw the podcast or went on. Uh, yeah, see, Michael T. Ford just said, "Remember you, where you heard that suggestion first. See, now that's how I feel when I see Dan Slott tweeting his Keanu Reeves as Moon Knight. <laughs> like Dan, you didn't think of that, man. Get off my back. Um, but yeah." It is what it is, man. Like, they keep tweeting this stuff. Eventually, one of their things is going to be accurate, right? So, yeah, well, to talk, I mean, I think we'd all like him in the... I think he's a perfect Norman Osborn, right? Who else would you think... I mean, who else could he play? Pretty much anyone, really? Any villain? Yeah, I mean, I think you guys remember my outside-the-box idea for him a while back, but... I like him as Namor, like an older grizzly Namor, but Oh, I do remember that. I'm like, yeah, I really hated that idea. <laughs> so I do remember that you brought it back up. But I but I love him. I mean, I actually I liked him a lot. He was in uh, NBC's Revolution for a while, that show where the electricity went out everywhere forever. And I thought he was really, really good in that. And so I've been I've been wanting him in the MCU for a long time. I'll be happy to take him anywhere. I don't know, man. He's getting pretty busy with the boys now on Amazon. When's he going to have time? You guys probably haven't seen that yet, have you? I've seen the first episode. I can't remember if this is something that I've just thought in my head or if it's a idea that maybe we're stealing from Michael T. Ford, but I really would love to see Justice Smith as Harry if we get Giancarlo. Since they've already done... Oh, I guess he's not, he's not Justice Smith's dad in the get down he's somebody else's dad but still he's uh yeah the late what's her name uh i don't remember the love justice interest smith's girl. girlfriend the disco girl yeah. yeah but anyways i don't know i love justice smith and i've been worried that the few movies he's done that have been big like jurassic park and pikachu he just kind of comes off as a bumbling idiot like i'd like to see him get a juicy role and i think he's a decent age that he could be a really good harry uh, this is real news, but it's such not real news that I put it behind the fake news. ABC is in quote unquote active talks for a quote unquote mostly new female superhero on ABC. Uh, do you guys believe this at all anymore, given how many times they've cried wolf on this thing? Not at all. I believe it when I see a trailer. Mm-hmm. Not even that. I'll believe it when it premieres on the network. Deadline and THR and all these guys, they're getting this info from someone, right? There's someone at ABC who's quote-unquote leaking this. Like, I feel like they're leaking it until Michael T. Ford tells them a good idea. Like, until he just, like, tweets back with the right thing and then Loeb will be like, right, that's exactly it. This wasn't even leaked, though. Deadline spoke with the president of ABC who told them. What, okay, what advantage is that to the president of ABC? What do they get out of talking about doing something for the eighth time? 
They've talked about John C. Ridley. They've talked about a Jessica Jones-like show. They talked about like an A4 show. For some reason, most of the time, it's been a female character. But what what do they get out of giving this like... Uh, wasn't there another one from the Wonder Woman scribe that like yeah. got like a put commitment or something? Yeah, it got a production commitment and then suddenly it got shelved. Which I, I totally forgot that it got shelved. Um, what? Yeah, I don't know. And plus they're rolling out Stumptown, too, which is about as Jessica Jones as it gets, right? It's pretty much a Jessica Jones ripoff. And strategically, I always understood they kept S.H.I.E.L.D. because ABC is kind of a female-dominated channel as far as viewership because they had the Shondaland stuff and they had, you know, Desperate Housewives for a long time. So they liked S.H.I.E.L.D. because it brought a male audience. Now, we all know that men can enjoy a female-based show. I'm not saying that's not the case. But, like, specifically then going to, like, a female character when you've kept Marvel around for the male audience, there's just, there's nothing about this that's ever made Loeb or ABC look competent or get us excited. And I feel like if this ever does happen, we'll go, oh, this is the reheated, microwaved four times done over picked apart by John Ridley kicked around by the wonder woman writer show that nobody's ever wanted to, you know, like I just think the buzz would be negative at this point for a show like this. So I don't it just seems weird to me that we keep getting this story over and over and over and over again. I really want to know, um, the creative process, right? Does do showrunners do, do creatives pitch, Jeff Lowe, their spec strips. Um, and then he tries shopping them around if Marvel TV likes it. Does um, Jeff Loeb come up with an idea and has to call the legal department at Marvel Studios um, and, and get approval to use characters for their ideas? Or does Marvel Studios say, you know, we protected these 50 characters, you guys can use um uh the character is not in this pool within the next year or so you know i i'm just very interested to see how that goes right because so, so marvel studios has blade but they didn't want ghost rider was that because of the nick cage stuff um you know hellstrom obviously they're not going to put satan's son and daughter on disney plus um yeah i don't know it's just very interesting to i would love to know like the actual process, but I don't think we'll ever find something like that out. And I disagree on the like reheated microwave, whatever on this. I hope at least that this show, whether it's been different iterations, whether it's been different shows, whatever this is, obviously something has been brewing and I hope it's like slow cooked to perfection. Like I hope when they finally do green light something, It'll be something that they tweaked until it's perfect rather than tweaking it until it's some Frankenstein mess of something. Yeah, When they rushed to get something out, it was in humans. So maybe when they take a really long time to get something out, it'll be... New Warriors. The, the opposite of Inhumans. <laughs> the most bizarre case of a TV show ever. Yeah, I mean, Michael T. Ford in the comments said Squirrel Girl. Well, the other thing that I think is really weird is this idea it's mostly new. So it's like, it almost sounds like, 
I don't, again, maybe I'm just being really cynical today. Mostly new Marvel says, oh, you're going to take a Marvel IP and then strip it of everything that makes it its own thing and then, like, refill it with, like, weird ABC TV ideas. Like, mostly new, I don't understand. Like, if you're going to do a Marvel thing, why do something that's almost an original creation? Like, why make it a Marvel thing? It's That all doesn't make any sense to me either. What's mostly new mean? Does it mean a mostly new character like uh, Kamala Khan new? Or does it mean mostly new that they've never done a story kind of like that? Um, Maybe mostly new in that they've made five pilots for the stupid show. And it feels old to everybody there. But it'll be new to us. I'm just worried that mostly new means a name from the comic books that they've completely gutted of the comic origins and stories and have just completely rewritten as if it was a brand new idea. That's what I fear. Yeah. I do have to say, when I read this to my wife, the first thing out of her mouth was, that better not be Miss Marvel. <laughs> like she's gotten so protective of right. that character that she knows if ABC gets Miss Marvel, they'll kill that character in a way that will never get her back. <laughs> I mean, studios isn't going to make her an inhuman, right? Uh, that's an interesting question. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe they'll wait long enough that inhumans can come back in the MCU and Kevin Feige will redeem it. I just keep hoping. Okie dokie. Yeah, man, I'm, and I'll uh, I'll be over here saying the same for Iron Fist. How about that? I think Lockjaw is such a cool thing that if they make a Miss Marvel thing at Disney Plus, they will give her Lockjaw as a a sidekick. It's just too much part of her sort of mythos, and it's just too much fun not to do. And plus, that was the best part of the TV show, besides everyone trying to get him to wake up and the yes. pot farming. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> the amnesia. Oh my gosh, that show's do- so terrible. I feel like, yeah. When are we doing our Inhumans retrospective? I feel like it's almost been long. En- I was about to say. It's been long enough we can do an Inhumans retrospective. Uh, yeah, are we going to talk about how we predicted the future? What? Oh, yeah. That's, uh, yeah, we'll do that now. Cloak and Dagger and Runaways is definitely crossing over within hours of our podcast live recording last week. Loeb, once again... Made our content obsolete before we could release it. Uh, it was just a little video. They're coming in. They said it's just one episode crossover. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Just one episode. Um, so, yeah. I mean, we talked about some last week. Are you guys pumped about it? I think this means we're definitely getting more Cloak and Dagger, right? Uh, yes. I mean, the last time we see Cloak and Dagger won't be a crossover with Runaways. Right. I wouldn't think so. I do wonder. I really do wonder if they're going to move it to Hulu. Yeah, I mean, along those lines, what for Disney, what does Freeform do for them anymore? I don't know. How much how much of their business is a cable subscription business? I mean, and how much of that money could possibly be coming from Freeform? I think you probably have two distinctly different markets there where like Freeform you've probably got people just sticking the cable because that's what they always did and that's what you do and, you know, not going to get those streaming services. And then you prob- and then you have this huge chunk of the population that has streaming services and no cable. I don't see what they have to lose by having it on Freeform and immediately putting it up on Hulu. Why? 
I mean, since they own both, why can't they put it up on both at once? So I think I agree with that. But to me, it immediately then poses the opposite question. Why don't they put Runaways on Freeform then? Like save themselves the money of more content for Freeform and just take the show they're already making and air it on Freeform, you know? If they move Cloak and Dagger to Hulu, all Marvel content would be in that one bundle. After season seven. Which means then, in turn, they would be able to jack up the price to 50 bucks a month and we'd be forced to pay for it. <laughs> There's the long... There, we found the end game right there. Yeah, do you think an episode is enough for this crossover? Like, are they going to be able to do the, like, hi, I mean, I'm just thinking, this sounds so dumb, but I'm like, hi, I'm Ty, hi, I'm Nico, hey, I'm Alex, oh, hi, I'm so-and-so, oh, I'm Tandy, oh, hi, Tandy, I'm Nico, hi, you know, like, I don't know, how do you, like, even get these characters introduced to each other in 45 minutes, you know? I just hope it's Ty and Tandy, like, showing up in the middle of whatever clubhouse these kids are. And being like, smacking them upside the head and being like, run away! <laughs> like, we, you know, just. I just hope Ty and Danny show up to be the voice that all of us have been screaming at our TV. This is a dumb metaphor. This is kind of like a good kid, like hanging out with a juvenile delinquent kid. You yes. kind of wonder, like, which way is it going to rub off? <laughs> and so, like. This is a good TV show and a middling TV show. I really hope that Runaways doesn't rub off on Cloak and Dagger, but vice versa. Who would have thunk that the, the, the Runaways didn't come from Runaways, right? That would be funny. Cloak and Dagger would be like, oh, we're here from New Orleans. And they're like, you traveled that far? <laughs> they're like, well, yeah, that's what it's like when Wait. you run away. Without your parents? <laughs> but our moms Did your and dads live here. your parents lunch for you? Tandy, why did you leave your mom? Because she had some alcohol problems and she was abused by my dad and I just didn't like how dependent she was. Oh, well, our parents are serial killers and we stayed close to them because we love our mom and dad. Uh, Other news I had, and I'm leery to say this because I don't remember where this came from. Uh, I think there's a tweet that suggested Disney is starting to have second thoughts about R versus PG-13 over at Deadpool. Have you seen this news this week? Is this legit adamant? legit adamant adam is this legitimate i've seen it as well i've seen uh your buddy rob tweet about it several times um oh i haven't (laughs) you gotta get a burner account or something um just go from the mnd account um you know i don't yeah it it came from a verified source i'm not sure who it was i remember seeing the blue check mark which isn't saying much on twitter in, in 2019 i guess um, but a, a blue checkmark verified account did say that that um, something something internal talks PG thirteen instead of R or or they're discussing um, how they would cross the rated R property into their PG thirteen properties, which is apparently a much bigger problem um, for other people than I thought it'd be. I guess what's, what's the problem here? Is it people that, is it people seeing Deadpool in a PG 13 movie and then going to the Deadpool solo movie and he's just slicing people's heads off and dropping F bombs and making dick jokes or I guess what's, what's the worries here? I I think that's probably it. Uh, I think it's probably your Marvel completionists 
like that it might taint the brand that you know if deadpool shows up in one of the other properties or if he crosses in or you know if you have folks that want to see all of marvel and want to stay wholesome and they watch this one property you know or take your kids yeah, will not being able to see this one property make the whole brand be uh will will it discourage people from being completionists? Will it I don't know. I don't I don't hang out with PG thirteen people. Caleb as a father. <laughs> yeah. I'm just imagining what it's like to be worried about R rated stuff. My thing about it is if they're talking about the creative side, this is stupid. Because they do it in the comic books all the time. Like, it has not been hard for Marvel at all to write, to have a Punisher Max series adult comic book where Punisher's, you know, blowing people's brains away. And then having him appear in Civil War and play a role in that comic book and have him be, like, not outside the tone. Like, they've been able to modulate characters in and out of that stuff in the comic books just fine. So I don't, I don't see the creative side. I, I see the concern, you know, like we prop, we would not take my daughter to an R rated Deadpool if it was within the MCU. Would you show your daughter a PG 13 Deadpool and worry that she would want to see the first one? No, I mean, I don't know. We have pretty good control on her media intake, at least thus far in her life. So like she gets that if we say something's okay, it's okay. And if it's not, it's not. And also, she's a rule follower. Our younger kids, yeah, they would totally sneak it and watch it some other time. But our oldest is a good child. Uh, anyway. Um, <laughs> but yeah. Since no, you have so many younger than her. Yes, I have three younger <laughs> than her, though, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, just generally, I would... It, it would make things weird. This is why I love this idea that we kind of teased last week, or I came up with, of like... Just do two versions. Just do a version in theater that's R and a version that's PG-13 and let people pick which ticket they want to buy. Because, you know, for me, I would watch it with her and in the PG-13 and then go back the next day and rewatch it in the R version. Like, I would go twice because I find it interesting as an experiment, you know. I just know that they need to figure this out because if they're going to continue to expand the characters, eventually they need to do an R-rated. And for that matter... They need to do some PG-rated ones, too. Like, I'd love a PG Power Pack movie. I think that would be really appropriate and cool. So, um, I don't think this has to be that difficult. Like I said, the comics have done this forever, so I don't get why this is so hard. Taika Waititi has a script finished for Thor Ragnarok. Or Thor Ragnarok. Of course, for Thor Ragnarok. But he also has Thor Love and Thunder, the, the first uh, draft anyways, done. Uh... That seems kind of really quick, didn't it? Fast. Right. That's really fast. Right. Okay, so this begs, when did he start it? Well, yeah. I, I mean, it, could it be the type of thing he kind of did both Ragnarok and this at once? Or not at once, but at least he probably had a good idea, you know, doing Ragnarok. Maybe not even a treatment, but he, an idea. Did it say the script's done, the first draft of the script, or like a treatment? Uh, I don't know. It was on uh, it was on comicbook.com. I just saw it. Like, just came out in the last... So, yeah, I mean, it's... Um, 
I think it's exciting. I'm a little surprised. Did you guys ever get the vibe that YTD was going to be like one and done? Like he was doing this just yeah. to see if he could do it. And then he was, but like, it seems like he actually enjoyed it and he must really enjoy it. If he's thrown himself back into this, this fast. Have you listened to Snyder's new podcast, the Snyder cut? I think that's what it's called. The Snyder cut. Oh, he did not yes, call it's podcast. called the Snyder Cut. Yes, um, I dislike him more and more every time I learn. <laughs> who was it? It was him, him and uh, did he have Justin Kroll on? I think he had Justin Kroll on, and those two were talking. And from what those two were saying, apparently Tyka's almost just like a fan person. Apparently, he's not super well regarded in Hollywood, especially after the Akira stuff and Thor: Love and Thunder and stuff. But, I mean, that's it's not like the executives are, are buying all the movie tickets, right? Um, but, yeah, listen to that if you can stomach it. It was it was really weird. They had kind of a tangent about how he's slowly sip, slipping away with, with executives and such. But I don't give a damn about that. Keep giving us killer movies. I can say I don't dislike any of his movies. Yeah, I, I think that he likes to do things his way. I mean, have you seen the trailer for Jojo Rabbit yet? It's going to be yes. amazing. It looks so brilliant. Yes. Right. And I just saw today he's going to do a movie about the Samoan, like, soccer team. Yeah. It's going to be, like, cool, team. cool runnings or whatever. Like, I think what's great about Taika is how little he cares about, like, the game. And I think what stinks about Zack Snyder is that he's a crybaby who cares too much about the game. And so it makes sense to me that Zach would not like Taika because Taika... Oh, I wasn't talking about Zack Snyder. I was talking about Jeff Snyder. Oh, I'm sorry. Zack Snyder still is a big crybaby who I don't like. <laughs> yeah, but... but both. Yeah, I mean, it's still, it's still, it's still accurate. <laughs> Which I'm sure your, your talk's still accurate as well. Um, but yeah, that's... Yes, yeah, so Jeff Snyder called his podcast The Snyder Cut. Oh, that's an even dumber... <laughs> Name for this podcast. <laughs> We've got news. We did a little shield talk. All right, so I came up. Here's our main conversation, and I'm writing this as we go. Uh, but I, let's talk a little bit about. So we're getting where Disney Plus is starting to shape. We have Shield. We've got this ABC show being talked about. I want to talk about just kind of TV a little bit generally. Uh, my first question for you is this: Are you actually excited? About either these cartoons or these other Hulu shows that we have coming out. No. So about like what? Oh, so any Marvel television stuff coming out on Hulu? Uh, I wouldn't say the older stuff, but Ghost Rider, Hellstrom, MODOK, Hitmonkey. Hellstrom I'm super intrigued by. Just because I've liked the character and I know my heart's going to get broken. Um, You know, with the track record and stuff. I mean, they're not calling her Satana either, which which is kind of a, a big red flag right there, right? Uh, I know full-heartedly they're going to turn it into a, a Lucifer, you know, procedural villain of the week type thing. It just has the makings for it. Bedazzling. I'm, I'm excited for that. Yeah. Um, and then uh, speaking of those, uh, that, what was I saying? The um, The animated shows, apparently, like, Kevin Smith hasn't started work. On Howard the Duck yet? Is that the one he's on? Howard the Duck? Yeah. Yeah, but they're doing four of them. Right. 
Well, I remember seeing that interview. He said something like the order is going to be Modoc, Hitmonkey, Tiger, and Dazzler, and then Howard the Duck. So he's like, it's another eighteen months until we'll see Howard the Duck or something. But it's still a twenty twenty show. Doesn't animation take forever to to do? It just seems like it would be getting pushed back. From what I saw, I thought he said twenty twenty one. Are you sure? I think in the same one he said 2020. Okay. He said next year it was going to be released. Yeah. It just seems bizarre he hasn't even started writing it yet. Rhiannon, you immediately said no. Like, what, what? why are you not interested in these things? I mean, Ghost Rider was my least favorite thing about that season. So, I, I just, I don't, there's nothing about that character. I mean, I just, I, Ghost Rider's not for me. The animated stuff... Okay, maybe they'll get me interested, but right now, not excited. Cloak and Dagger, Runaways. I mean, Cloak and Dagger, I'll I'll watch them, but I'm not, like, super excited about them right now. What am I forgetting? What am I supposed to be excited about? What we're missing is a nice adult dark television series that's nice and grounded. Uh, maybe takes place in New York. Preferably with Billy Clubs. I, you know, the, the weapons, it could be size, it could be Billy Clubs, it could be, um, but, but, like, something that I could get. wrapped around your hands. Yeah, Muay Thai ropes, it, uh, uh, but, I mean, but seriously, that element of it, like, they could announce a Moon Knight series right now, and I would be psyched. Um, I want something where, you know, it's a character. I I want something to replace the Netflix shows. That mood, that tone, that that type of situation. That's what it's going to take to get me excited about Marvel TV. Now, do you guys think it's good for Marvel TV to have different outlets? I mean, we've seen ABC, we've seen Freeform, we've seen Hulu, we've seen Netflix... Obviously, the options are narrowing a bit as Disney tries to push more stuff to its streaming services. But do you think it's good to have shows other places? Or do you think it'd be better for them to concentrate? Like, just Jeff Loeb. If you're Jeff Loeb, should you be trying to sell something to ABC at the same time you're developing stuff at Hulu? Or would he be better to just keep it concentrated to one place? Uh, I think it's... uh, I mean, as we move further in this, everything's still starting to... um kind of run together tonally you know i mean runaways is probably the most quote-unquote free-formy show of them all right i figured that would have been on freeform whereas cloak and daggers pretty cloak and daggers probably the most cinematic looking show of the bunch at least what's still active um you know i, I don't and but and that's the thing look at all the the new networks they have, well, not all the new networks they have from Fox, but I mean, they have FX in that family still, you know, um, I don't know, man, everything's starting to blur together. So next question along this line, let's assume that Disney plus knocks it out of the park with their limited series, which I think we're pretty much guessing would be. Is there going to come a day where you're going to hope that Jeff Loeb just gives up? That Marvel TV just folds? Like, is there a place for Marvel TV to keep going? Or will Disney Plus become such a phenomenon that they might as well just put all their effort into that streaming setup? 
if television can be tonally different and something that we absolutely cannot get from Disney Plus, like if Deadpool was something that they just handed over to Jeff Loeb, you know, okay, here's this other part of the Marvel world. It's going to be on Hulu and FX. It's going to be adult. It's not going to tie in with these other movies. It's going to be completely separate. That sort of thing, if they made it less movies and TVs, or movies and TV, and made it more, here's the PG-13 universe, here's the R-rated universe, or here's the, you know, whatever universe, that could revive TV. I'm afraid that Marvel TV is going to struggle to move past this era because we've talked a lot about how you know what's a good length for a TV show, and is thirteen too long at Netflix? And yeah, we like the Shield being a slightly smaller order. And but I think that if these Disney Plus shows do what they want them to do, it's just inevitable that people will compare them, and they'll just go, "Wow!" I mean, you know, Agents of Shield will come out next year, pretty close to when Cap and Falcon comes out, or Falcon and Winter Soldier comes out. I just think people are going to naturally put the two of them together and, you know, Falcon Winter Soldier is going to have a lot more money behind it and it's going to be a lot tighter and it's going to have the main cast. And people are going to say, I know we know that Loeb and Feige and TV and film are different, but the average fan is going to go, what is this? Why do I care about this? Why don't they just do all the stuff on Disney Plus? Like, I, I see what you're saying about the different tones, Rihanna, and I just... I just wonder corporately if at some point Disney just gives up and pulls the, the, the plug on Disney on Marvel TV, you know, and just goes only to the Disney plus streaming. It just seems an inevitability to me if the quality is what we think it'll be. And TV right now, it feels like Jeff Lloyd is just throwing everything at the wall and seeing what sticks. I mean, everything, everything. And... Yeah, I am with you. If something doesn't come out and become truly a standout, I don't see it surviving. Uh, it's not like TV's going to die, right? I mean, I don't think Marvel's Well, but if they're over if they're over on Plus making TV series, this element of Marvel could die. But I mean, this isn't unlike what we had with Marvel Studios and Fox and Sony, right? With the X-Men and with the Spidey properties and, and whatnot, that's pretty much the same scenario we were in for for a few years. I think it's different, though, in one really important way. In the end, they are part of the same company. And so if I'm Bob Iger and I'm looking at my balance sheet and I'm like, oh, we spent X amount of dollars over at Hulu with 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 Jeff Loeb and Marvel TV and we made a Hellstrom show that's doing nothing for our, our numbers and is just losing money. And Oh look, every time I put a million dollars into Disney plus Marvel stuff, it brings, you know, 3 million in subscriber numbers at some point. Doesn't he look at it and go, well, knock it off. We're just going to cut this TV over here and take that money and put it into Feige's lap and let him make more money. Like at some point there has to be some intercompany competition for who's going to use the capital the best, particularly as they have to probably get tighter about how much content they make. Does that make sense? 
but it's still technically two different platforms, right? It's still two different mediums, kind of, right? I mean, we're talking about movie and television studios. I mean, you do have to applaud if they execute Ghost Rider, if if they don't do something so stupid and, and the spirit of vengeance leaves him, you know, in episode one, and he has to track down the spirit of vengeance all season. You know, which they're probably freaking going to do. But On if a they bicycle. Don't do <laughs> right. If, if they don't do that and make and make Ghost Rider full on almost scary, I mean, that's super, super ambitious for Marvel television, right? I mean, Mark Kolpak did a pretty damn good job on Ghost Rider in season four, at least visual effects wise. And now that he um, certainly has some time on his hands, uh, you know, maybe maybe he goes over and helps out with that visual effects. You know, I I don't know. Ghost Rider's pretty ambitious. If they hit that well, it's it's going to hit pretty hard with comic fans, right? Because that, that would be something we haven't gotten necessarily. Obviously, we got Robbie and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but we haven't gotten the gothic horror aspect of it, right? I mean, I'm with you. I guess uh, for me, I take as a cautionary tale what we saw this week with the Fox earnings report where Disney was like, oh, Fox did bad in their earnings. We're cutting all their films. We're not making any more of these movies that Fox was going to make. You know, like that's kind of a scapegoat, though, right? Like how they blamed Dark Phoenix for for terrible, terrible performance. Yeah, I guess I'm just saying. I don't think it's crazy. Like you said, well, it's kind of like Fox, you know, the Fox and Sony and Marvel thing. They're just different companies. I mean, I hear you, but now that they're under, you know, they're under the same umbrella, there's only so much money at Disney for content. And if they have a production studio that is doing inferior stuff and a group that's doing better stuff, particularly since they both have the name Marvel on it, I just would not put it past Iger to someday pull the plug on TV and say, Forget it. We'll just put more resources towards studios. I mean, at this point, given the kind of return that Marvel Studios produces on everything they touch, why would you not put as many dollars into that dollar multiplying machine as possible? Right, right. But I mean, ABC and Freeform is never going to go away, and FX is never going to go away. And ABC said they they need a they need a Marvel show on air at all times. You heard it from the ABC president herself. So uh, I don't know. I think traditional, some of this too, to be fair, I think traditional TV is going to die a lot faster than we think. So, You think? Mm-hmm. The numbers this year for cord cutting were extreme. Like, it's happening so fast now. But we can't go too much longer, man. I mean, obviously this bundle comes along, that's 13 bucks, but everyone's doing a streaming platform. You know, we've talked about this before, right? About if you signed up for every single streaming platform, you're at three, four hundred bucks a month. But some of those are going to die. Increasingly, like I can, people my parents' age are being convinced to cut the cord on cable. That's really bad for cable. Like cable still exists for people who are too old to understand streaming. No offense if we have listeners in that age bracket. But like, that's just kind of how that works. And so I just, you know, if my folks and my in-laws are like kind of jumping on this qu- cutting the cord bandwagon, it's not good for the future. Does that mean we're going to get more crappy sitcoms and stuff? I mean, as soon as people started joining, as soon as old people got on Facebook, that's when everything started going downhill. 
we're gonna have a streaming service soon that's uh all CSI shows and bad sitcoms. Oh, CBS All Access. That's what that is. That's a thing. Nothing, nothing but procedurals and Golden Girls. All right. I think that's good for our main topic. Uh, I don't really know how long this episode is because we've cut in and out so many times. So I think we've got enough. Uh, let me jump over to the mailbag. Uh, Love Waffle had a lot of good Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. points. Uh, felt like it got too convoluted as we talked about last week. He says, I understand the monoliths less now than before this season. Um, uh, there's a lot of weird stuff about how they sort of trusted Sarge as long as they did. Um, and it's just the stuff back and forth on the grieving on Coulson and Sarge is weird. Uh, also, a spoiler I won't put in there, but they did something that he's tired of seeing them do. Um he has some good ideas for what they can do next season. Maybe we'll come back to that, but that'll be good. Uh, her mom was talking a little bit, as we talked last week, about tr- uh, a trans actor or character in the MCU. Uh, and he's just hoping that that character in Eternals is someone who really matters. He says often they're tertiary characters, and he points out to Jessica Jones' assistant, uh, who was uh, a case of that. Um uh, he also says the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s timeline is so broken he can't seem to care anymore. Uh, Dave saw a rumor that one of the ways they're going to handle the Valkyrie um, love interest is to have both Thor and Valkyrie fall in love with Enchantress and that she'll be the villain. So we'll see. And Preto, good uh, trivia here. We talked about what movies have made a lot of money or were famous that involved a gay couple. And he points out The Birdcage with Robin Williams made $200 million all the way back in 1996. So that's, I think, probably a good example. Any other, I don't know, have we had anything else on live chats or Twitter or anything like that? Uh, Michael T. Ford did say uh, Squirrel Girl Squirrel Girl for the um, new ABC show. Yeah, I shared that. I shared that when we were talking about oh. it. Well, that's all I have. I tell you, I really, I know we tease about it. I want to see that new Warriors pilot so bad. Particularly, I mean, so I haven't seen The Boys, but The Boys has a bit of a comic undertone to it, you know? Right? Correct? Um, Imagine yeah. if Donald Trump was Superman. So pretty hilarious. And then, um, you know, Umbrella Academy has a quirky humor to it as well. Like... Marvel needs a good, funny TV show. And I don't think they've really tried that yet, which is funny given how much comedy's in the movies. And so I just wish we could see New Warriors, but I think that'll never happen. A show that was so good, it wrote itself out of a job. Dude, there's something there. So good, so popular, they just... There are bodies in Ike Perlmutter's trunk on that one, and I just want to know the backstory. So, before we podcast again is the Marvel prop auction. All right. And Adam, I'm just looking. Like, the light-up VFX Iron Fist. Nobody's bid on it yet. How much? I mean... Uh, one of them's starting at $750. Uh, hard pass. Jump change. How, what about the... Uh, are the masks still reasonable? I know there was, a, there was, like, a backup mask that I thought about. Yeah, yeah, like... I have no idea. There's like 38 pages right. of this, and I'm just. It's super not user friendly stuff. either. I got exhausted looking through the catalog. It's... I'm like, yeah, I don't even care anymore. Yeah. 
there's a there's one of the yellow masks is a thousand dollars right what? now. That's a lot of chicken nuggets. Um, yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, there's I know one of the Matt uh, the Matt Murdock red glasses is already up at three thousand, and they had only estimated it at like twenty five hundred. Um, so you you got outbid. Ooh, is there any the Father Lantham bear? stuff? I'm sure there is. I'm sure there is. If I could They're affordably get a everything. Father Lantham like collar, I might do it. They, yeah, they yeah they have Danny Rand's street jacket costume. I'll look for you. I'll look through it tonight. Uh, what have you bet on? You've bet on something, right? No, this is actually I, I signed up for the website like whenever you first could, and I haven't touched it since. So this is my first time actually looking at it. They have the Psych Ward vending machine from Iron Fist Season 1. They have they have the stunt microwave that was thrown at people in Daredevil Season 1. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the proto- Can you imagine having that vending machine? Hey, why do you got a vending machine in your house? Oh, it's from a TV show. What show? Iron Fist? There's a vending machine in Iron Fist? Uh, yeah, it was in the Asylum. There's an, What are you talking about? The prototype Iron Fist mask is only $450, Adam. So, you know, just think about those chicken McNuggets. Oh, Wendy's is bringing back uh, spicy McNuggets on Monday. Or not spicy McNuggets. Bringing back spicy nuggets. I refuse to say chicken anymore. <laughs> I thought we discussed that I, I'm i not doing spicy. <laughs> no more spicy. But it's spicy no likey okay. me. Oh. Spicy no likey. Caleb, they have young Matt Murdock's crucifix. It's already up at two seventy five, but it's on the first page of the auction. So I think all that stuff is like just getting bids because people are too lazy to scroll. I'll let you know if I see any Father Lantham stuff. All right, sounds good. All right, talk to you guys next week. Yeah, thanks for listening to the podcast. You guys know all the stuff. Like us on the places and give us money on the other place and all that kind of stuff. So thanks for listening to the show. We'll see you next week, guys.